Hey everybody, welcome to the Off The Bench Podcast. This is your host, as always, Sean Crowell. And uh, I'm recording this one around noon on Tuesday, February 22nd, guys. Uh, I got a few different topics that I've been thinking about. This is my first pod since the Super Bowl, so I'm going to be talking about that just a little bit. Not too much because, you know, in this world of media where we move by so quickly, uh, yet, you know, the Super Bowl from... You know, I guess it's nine days ago now. It's kind of old news, okay? So I'm just going to mention a few of those things, but it's not going to be all about that. I had a good weekend. I went snowboarding. It was my third time snowboarding, and um, I'm getting better and better. I I honestly really, really enjoyed it, and I think I found a new hobby. I'm excited to go. I'm going to see if I can go a bunch next year. Uh, Probably try and get my own board for Christmas or something like that so I don't have to keep renting one. Um, but yeah, guys, I'm, I'm ready to get started with you guys. It is always better to do something now or do something today as long as you have the opportunity. If I'm going to go to Disneyland for two days, I've been to Disneyland a couple of times, a few times actually. So, so this is just something that I was, that I was just thinking about. If I walk past Space Mountain on my first day in Disneyland and I have an opportunity to ride the ride, I should just take that opportunity now to ride the ride. You know, the waits for Space Mountain, it's a popular, popular ride. They can get really long. Okay, so let's just say the wait is an hour. Okay, and I have the opportunity I'm riding by or I'm walking by right there. I should just take that opportunity What else are you going to do in an hour? You're just going to kind of wait around. You're going to go to this other ride that you want to go on. And that ride's going to be 30 minutes. And so you're going to end up waiting anyway. And then you're going to go look and say, I don't want to wait for that ride. So you're going to walk again and then see a show and then wait for the show. There's a lot of kind of waiting that goes on sometimes when you go to those theme parks. So I might as well just take the opportunity now to wait and ride Space Mountain. Then push it off to tomorrow. Even though I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm coming for two days, right? I don't want to push it till tomorrow because what if I come back tomorrow and all of a sudden I'm kind of on the other side of the park and then I realize I never went to Space Mountain, but I want to go on Space Mountain. And then you get there and it's an, it's an hour and a half wait. Okay, you guys see what I'm saying? Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. So you have to take advantage of your opportunities sooner rather than later. Okay, and I watched... I watched the Super Bowl with my friends, um, with Marcelo and Christian, and I was thinking about this as the game ended, okay? Uh, Confetti was falling, the the Rams won, okay? And I was thinking to myself, I don't know if Joe Burrow and the Bengals will ever be back here. Will they ever be back to a Super Bowl? You know, and it's like you have to take advantage of, of the opportunity while it's there because they might try and come back and they might just never be able to. Okay, so I put it out on Twitter. I just decided, you know, I don't think that they will. But I asked Marcelo and Christian and they both said yes. They both said, yes, I think the Bengals will be back with Joe Burrow at some point. And I just, man, I just didn't 
didn't quite agree. That's okay. So I just wanted to put it on Twitter. I put out a poll. The poll came back as 24 hours. You know how it goes. It, it came back. The highest percentage was of people who said yes. There wasn't that many votes. But it was like over 60% said, said yes, the Bengals will get back. Maybe it was 70 even. And I just, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. You know, to go along with the analogy here, I think the Bengals walked by Space Mountain and decided that they would try and go tomorrow. Now, obviously, it's not an apples to apples because they tried to win the Super Bowl. It's not like they just made a conscious decision to not ride Space Mountain. Like, yeah, I can do, I can come back and do it later. It's not like the Bengals were like, yeah, you know, I'm going to lose this one. We can come back and, and win it another time. Obviously, that's not the case. It's not a perfect apples to apples. But still, it's just like you look at their opportunity that they had and you look at future opportunities that they may have and it's just really, really murky. Okay, you just, you look at their division. The Ravens are super talented. You know, they got Lamar Jackson and that loaded team. They had so many injuries this year. You know, are they going to have injuries like that every year? You know, I kind of doubt it. Kind of doubt that one. The Steelers are super well run. And I would argue Big Ben kind of held them back this year. You know, I don't know who they're going to get at quarterback. If they're going to draft a guy or if they're going to get Jimmy G. Um, you know, Wentz might be available. I don't know. Nobody knows as of right now, you know, who's going to be the Steelers quarterback. But they're a well-run team. Their roster is really good, and their defense is spectacular. So you're just telling me that Joe Burrow's just, you know, they're going to beat them twice a year every year, no problem? You know, I don't, I don't really think so on that one. And then Cleveland, you know, Baker, Baker was lousy this year, but he was pretty banged up pretty much the whole season. Is he going to be banged up every single season? Because their roster is completely loaded. And even if they moved on from Baker, you know, you got to think that they'd be able to land somebody else. Okay, so it's they're in a stacked division. You know, so I don't know if the Bengals are just going to run the AFC North for the next 12 years. I really doubt it. And then you look at the other teams that, that they have in the AFC and their other quarterbacks. And it is an absolute landmine. Okay, so I, they beat the Chiefs twice this year. Okay, so you have to give them their due. Have to give them their due. But I'm just, I'm just kind of doubtful that Patrick Mahomes is going to fall apart in the second half like he did, you know, in that playoff game. I, I just don't really believe that's going to continue to happen whenever they play the Bengals. They got a break this year, right? And the Chiefs and Bills played each other. So the Bengals didn't have to play both of them to get to the Super Bowl. They just had to play one. You know, so I believe in most cases, they would, if they were to make the Super Bowl, they would probably have to go through the Bills and the Chiefs. So they didn't have to play the Bills. Good luck beating Josh Allen. Probably going to play that one on the road because your division's really hard. So it's going to be tough to win that one every year. You know, the Bills have a little bit easier of a division now. The Jets are dysfunctional. Miami's dysfunctional. And, uh, you know, I think the Patriots are limited. I think the Bills are going to be able to win their division most years with Josh Allen. 
I don't know about that for Joe Burrow. So if they play, good luck going to, you know, what is it, Orchard Park, New York, West New York, in January. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. And so you just look around and you say, okay, you got Mahomes and then you got you got Allen and then, you know, Herbert's really good with that Charger team. They're they're gonna they're gonna be on the up and up. And then, you know, it's like, okay, you look around at these other teams. Is Rogers gonna come to Denver? Is he gonna come to the AFC? I don't know. You know, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is gonna be terrible forever. Eventually, he might be able to get his feet under him, and Jacksonville is not going to be some walk in the park forever. They got a really good quarterback, like most people think that they will they will have. You just you just look at all these factors, and it's just really really important to ride Space Mountain when you get the chance. Super crucial because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. They made the Super Bowl this year. Most people think that they kind of. They got a, a few breaks in the playoff games. And now look, you can only play who you play. Who, whoever you're matched up with, that's who you have to play. So I'm not sitting here saying, you know, the Bengals, they just took the easy route. They can only beat who is in front of them. And that's what they did. Mission accomplished. They deserve credit. What I'm saying is that their path may not be like this every year, right? They might not get a dysfunctional Raiders team who had, you know, four guys arrested or whatever this year. Uh, you know, and a, and a coach fired. You know, they might not play the Titans who, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to, not Fitzpatrick, Tannehill, excuse me. Tannehill's not going to, you know, throw him three picks every single time. And I know you got to give credit to the Bengals defense. I'm not just saying it was all a collapse on, on Tannehill, you know. The defense created these turnovers, but you guys get what I'm saying. So I'm not so I'm not so sure that they're just gonna be able to just get back here, you know. And I know all it takes is one time. Theoretically, they're gonna have Burrow for the next ten to fifteen years. What if they don't address the offensive line? What if they try to draft a few guys? That's their number one goal. We know this. But what if they spend in free agency? And what if they draft some guys and they just they don't really turn out? So Burrow just continues to get killed. His nature is kind of holding the ball too long. What if he kind of brings on some of this himself? And their, their O-line pieces that they, they try to incorporate, what if they don't work? Would you sign a second deal with Cincinnati if you're Joe Burrow? I don't know. You know, Carson left. Palmer was he's probably the best quarterback they ever had, and he dipped out. Because the organization just, you know... They've been, they've been like this for a long time. So is he going to re-sign? I, I would guess so. If I, had to, if I was a betting man, if I had to put money on it, I would say, yeah, he's going to re-sign. But, but we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, they may come back to Space Mountain tomorrow, and it's going to be a two and a half hour wait. You got to take your opportunities while they can, while they are present. And they had an opportunity with five minutes left in the Super Bowl to win a chip, and they didn't get it done. So, best of luck in the future. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb a little bit and say I don't think they get back. I just don't think they do. I think the obstacles in front of them are too great, too great.
So I was watching the NBA All-Star game uh, the other day. I think it was Sunday night. And during halftime, they had, you know, the 75 greatest players celebration. I think it's their 75th anniversary in the NBA. I, I could be wrong on that. But I think that was kind of the whole thing behind it. And so, you know, they were having the ceremony. And uh, they ranked the players. And they said, here are the, you know, the 75 greatest players in the history of the NBA and they had the celebration for it and I noticed something and when I was watching um you know I, that's when I noticed and I thought you know that might have just been me I don't know you know so I I was watching and it seemed like when Jordan was introduced when Michael Jordan was introduced he got the loudest cheers and when I was watching you know, people were shaking his hand and he seemed like he was, you know, on a different sort of level than the other cats in the room. And I just, I found that really, really intriguing. And when I was watching it, you know, I thought, ah, you know, maybe I'm just, I don't know. Was it that much louder? I don't know. You know, or are these other guys, these other 75 greatest players of all time, are they actually looking at, you know, Michael Jordan a little bit differently? Or or am I just, you know, am I just imagining that? And then so I got on I got on Twitter, you know, as I'm prone to do, and I just I saw that, you know, something like that was kind of trending. And I, I kept seeing tweets about, you know, Jordan got the loudest cheers, and then, you know, I'm listening to my guy Coward yesterday, and that's his opening rant. He's talking about Jordan. And how he got the loudest cheers. And he kind of went into into why. And so that's when I was like, okay, I, I didn't just imagine this. You know, this clearly this this is happening. Or this did happen. You know, and I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't trying to jump to any conclusions or anything. I just kind of noticed it. And it turns out it, it was true. Other people noticed as well. And um, and Coward talked, he talked about why that is. And, you know, he talked about, he talks about the relatability of players and why certain players are so relatable. And, and one guy he talks about is Steph. He talks about how Steph is relatable and it's all about because of who he is physically. And he's not much different than fans physically, even though he really is. He's 6'3", that's taller than, you know, everybody. He's extremely athletic compared to your average Joe. But, you know, when you watch him in the NBA, he's not as athletic as far as just quickness and um, jumping ability as some of these other guys. He's athletic in other ways. You know, body control, his skills uh, dribbling the basketball and obviously shooting. So he, that's one of his things. You know, Steph is relatable to the fans physically because he's not the tallest He's not the biggest, and he's not the most athletic, and he's still a superstar. Okay, so people love him. Kids love him. And he talked about how Jordan is relatable, but in a different way. Obviously, Jordan could jump out of the gym um, extremely fast, uh, strong as an ox. You know, so he doesn't necessarily physically match 
somebody like Steph. He's not really relatable in that way. Physically, he's a freak. He's relatable in other ways, though, as in he hates the other team just as much as the fans do because the fans are fiercely loyal. Um, he's not friends with anybody on these other teams. Just like the fans, you know, the fans always hate the other team's best player. Even though he's probably a good guy, he's just the other team's best player. So naturally, you just hate him. And this is something that fans do. And that's something that Jordan did. So it's almost like mentally and emotionally, he is very relatable. Okay, and that's, this is what Coward's saying. I, I think this is all mostly true. I wouldn't say otherwise. I wouldn't argue with those points. I just want to kind of add to it. And I want to just think about and just kind of discuss for a minute, why would it be that Michael Jordan would receive the most applause why does he light up the room in such a different way than the other 75 greatest players in the history of basketball? How can this be? In a room full of alphas, he is the most alpha. These other guys, I just saw some camera angles, these other guys are fawning over Jordan. They're waiting on his every word, they're smiling, they're laughing, just to be in his presence. And I think this is notable. This is very notable. And I think part of the reason is because he was the best player in a specific time period. And I think that catches people. Because in this time period, access was different. Just culturally, access was just much, much different. You didn't really have a bunch of access in the 90s. You know, you had some different TV channels. Wasn't a ton, though. You couldn't watch all of the games. So if you're a fan of... If you're a fan of the Seattle Supersonics, like I would have been if I was, you know, alive and well in the, in the early 90s, you could only watch Jordan very occasionally. You know, you were only watching MJ... You know, the twice a year that the Sonics played MJ. And then you had, you know, your occasional all-star game. And then some of their games were, I'm sure, aired in the playoffs. In the playoff rounds. And then you watch them in the finals. The access is so much different yesteryear than it is today. Today, if I want to watch the game's biggest star, you know... It might not be LeBron anymore, let's be honest, but I'll just I'll just use LeBron. I, I can watch every single LeBron game there is if I wanted to. All I need to have is NBA All Access. If I miss a game, I can turn on Sports Center and it's it's basically LeBron Center is what Sports Center really is. And then if I don't want to watch Sports Center or I don't have access to that, I can get on YouTube and I can search, uh, you know, the Lakers game highlights. And NB the NBA has its own YouTube channel. And it'll play me a 9 to 11 minute video of the highlights of the Laker game and whoever they're playing. And then if I turn on, if, if I get on Twitter or Instagram and I follow LeBron, he posts, not daily, but he posts a lot. 
And so I am seeing this guy all the time. He's in front of my face all the time. And you can use other stars if you want to, whether it's Durant or Giannis or Chris Paul or whoever. But the access that you have to these players now and these public figures now is just dramatically different, just so much different. And I think that that plays into the favor of these guys from, from the, the old days, from the 80s, from the 90s. And the reason is because they were so much more of a figure. They were so much more of must-see TV. Now if I miss LeBron's game, I just talked about it. I can turn on Sports Center, which is basically LeBron Center, or I can go on Twitter and I can watch, you know, some 10-second highlights if I want. Or I can go on YouTube and watch the whole game highlight that's 10 minutes long. Who cares? It's not much it's it's not missy must see TV, excuse me. It's not must see TV anymore. But if I'm a kid from Seattle and the Sonics are playing the Bulls, that is must-see TV because I don't get that very often. I get that twice a year. They'll play two games per year, one at home, one away. And then, you know, they met in the finals in, you know, 96 or whatever, 95, 96. I don't know what year it was. So it's like the access that you have to the players now, it just, it makes them less of a figure. You see them every day. What show is as big as Seinfeld was in the 90s? Now, I'll be the first to say, Seinfeld is an absolute classic of a show. I still watch it now. My parents got me into it. Seinfeld is an absolute classic. Love it. It's extraordinarily well done. Amazing sitcom TV show. Amazing. Now, I'm not saying that shows today are as good as, as Seinfeld. That's one of the greatest shows of all time. But there are certainly shows today, sitcoms today, that are, you know, at least close, that are at least in the ballpark of Seinfeld. Yet Seinfeld would absolutely blow them away in ratings. It would not even be close. Seinfeld, what they got in 95 compared to what a good sitcom nowadays would get. It would just be night and day of a difference. Because the access was so much more limited. What are you going to do? I don't know what day of the week Seinfeld was on. Say it's on Thursday. What are you going to do on a Thursday night in 1993? There's no channels on TV. Yeah, you can sit and read a book if you want. But if you're going to watch something on TV, you're going to want to watch Seinfeld. Nowadays, I get on. What am I going to do on a Thursday night if I decide to watch some TV? Well, I don't know. I have. Let's take your pick. You got Disney Plus. You got Netflix. You got Hulu. You got Prime Video. You got Apple Plus TV. You got Peacock. I just missed probably eight. I just missed like eight streaming services. And on each one of those streaming services, you have, you know, 250 shows, bare minimum. So it's like the access, you have so much more access to whatever you could possibly want, whatever your heart desires. 
You can have all of it. But back in the 90s, this was must-see TV because there was not much else to watch. If Michael Jordan is playing the Sonics, that only happens twice a year. You have to watch that game. So I think he was just so much more of a mythical figure than guys today are, than celebrities today are. Not even just athletes, just celebrities. You know, so if you take... He, he was the greatest player in the 90s. I think he had the opportunity to turn into this mythical Paul Bunyan type of figure so much more than athletes, celebrities, public figures do today. You know, I don't need to watch LeBron's game. I can just search it up on Instagram. I can just see what he posted yesterday on Twitter. He's not a mythical figure. I see him all the time. Yeah, guys, so I got some different things that I want to hit on. Um, I'm not going to call this, I guess, a rapid fire segment. Just, I don't know. I'm going to spend a minute or two on, on kind of each topic. And I want to just, you know, fly through some different stuff here. I've been watching some college basketball, um, you know, and I've seen most of the top teams play at least a couple of times. Uh, you know, I've only seen, I've only seen Arizona play once and they're, they're one of the top teams, but you know, Gonzaga, I've seen Auburn play a number, number of times. I've seen Purdue, um, I've seen Duke play, you know, I've seen, uh, Houston play, shout out to my boy Cole, uh, he's a GA there. Uh, you know, most of these top teams, I've seen them play. And um, guys, I, I do, I really do think that it's very, very spread out this year uh, in college basketball. The tournament is going to be excellent. And I, I believe it's for that reason. There's just a lot of parity this year. There doesn't seem to be one dominant team like how Gonzaga was just running through top 10 teams last year, um, just every which way. And I don't think that there's a dominant team like that this year. There's a bunch of teams who are really good. Uh, and I mentioned, you know, a number of them. I definitely left out a few of them just, just a minute ago. But guys, I just think it's going to make for a great tournament. Because normally, you know, your ones and twos, they're able to mostly make the, the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, most of them are able to move on to the Elite Eight. Uh, you know, most of the uh, ones and twos, I guess, not all of them, but... I think this year is a real, real opportunity to see some upsets, some some major upsets even in the first round and then the round of 32 with these ones and twos. You know, I've seen Auburn, I've seen them have terrible offensive periods. I, I've seen them play for long stretches where they just play so poor offensively. Okay, so I think that's going to make for a really, really good tournament. I think it's going to be really special, really exciting come, come you know, like mid-March or whatever it is. Guys, people have been talking about Kyler Murray a lot lately. And um, I just, you know, some people are saying, this is what, this is what some people are saying, that he scrubbed his account, not necessarily because he's got beef with the Cardinals, but he wants to put pressure on the Cardinals. I've heard theory, I've heard theories on this, that he just wants a new contract, Here's what I'll say. If this is the case, Kyler Murray has zero leverage. Zero, zero leverage on this team. And I'll tell you why. Where is he going to go? 
He's under contract for two more years. He's played three years. First round picks have five years on their contract. So they're going to pick up his fifth year option this offseason if they have not already. He's going to play his fourth year and then his fifth year. So I don't I don't understand where he's where he thinks he's going to go or what he thinks he's going to do without a contract. They don't owe him anything. Okay, so after team's fourth years is when they start talking extension. Some of them do it after three, and it has not always worked. Okay, Josh Allen did it after three. Patrick Mahomes did it after three. Those guys are on a completely different level than Kyler Murray. Kyler keeps getting banged up around week 10. Week 10 and beyond so far in his career, he's not been the same guy. Okay, Here's what a couple of examples of guys getting extended after their third year are Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and we both know how that one turned out. So the Rams were so sick of Goff, they couldn't even stand him. They shipped him out of town, and same with the Eagles. Okay, so I don't think it's good practice to just be extending guys after their third year when they have two years left on their contract, especially for... A guy like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you watch what they do. Okay, you're able to say, yeah, I'm going to just pay this guy. What have we seen Murray do? Just fall apart at the end of every season? That's what he's done so far. Played horrible in the playoff game. And you're just going to sign up to give this guy $500 million? Yeah, I don't think so, man. I don't I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. I, you know, people are saying, oh, he could just go play baseball. Okay, Kyler. Good luck. Go play two years in minor league ball when you haven't played baseball in three years. See how that one works out. Go play minor league ball. See if you can make it to the major leagues. Even if you do make it to the major leagues, good luck signing one of those monster extensions. Not very many guys get to sign those in the majors. But if you just wait till next offseason after your fourth year, then you're going to sign a mega deal. You already have that mega deal. Why would he leave that? It's going to happen next year, next offseason. Kyler Murray will get a fat extension. So why would you leave that to go possibly, maybe have a shot at doing that playing baseball? Okay, so if he does decide to quit and go play baseball, he's going to play minor league ball. He's going to start at single A, double A. He hasn't played baseball in three years. Good luck. Is his career going to turn out in baseball? Who knows? Who knows, man? He could just get lost in the system, come back, try and play football, and it's like, dude, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what leverage this guy thinks he has. Okay, especially people are saying he's not even a leader either. He's not even a guy who can lead your organization. I don't know this. These are, this is what all the reports say. I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know what leverage he thinks he has. I don't believe he has any. Okay, guys, so I saw a couple different things about the, the Harden and Simmons trade. You know, I saw a couple different things. Okay, the first one was kind of an argument as to why he doesn't like, as to why somebody could, could not like the NBA. Okay, and it's pretty compelling because you look at the situation from, from, from both guys. Okay, from both guys. And you say, okay, well, Harden's a guy who didn't like his last stop at Houston. So uh, he basically just got out of shape and started just not really caring 
I can't remember if he, you know, he just stopped trying. Okay, so he gets his way finally. He gets sent to Brooklyn. You know, he's trying there for a little bit, but then he basically just does the same thing. You know, he's kind of off-putting to his teammates. You know, he stops trying. He gets out of shape. And then, you know, all of a sudden, this, you know, he's having the longest hamstring injury of, of anybody that anybody's ever seen. Okay, and then he fights that, and then, then he gets traded. He's basically babies his way out, and then he gets traded again. And now he's going to get, you know, a massive extension worth, you know, $50 million a year. $40 million, I don't know what it is. So it's like you look at this guy, and you're like, oh, what an impressive guy, James Harden, right? And then you look at the other guy, Ben Simmons, and you look at his situation, and he's a guy who is a is a mega millionaire. And then he's also a guy who, you know, hasn't worked like he should have in the NBA. You know, he, he's had the same problems with his jump shot for going on five years now, six years. I don't know how, how long has he been here? He's been in the NBA for a minute now. His jump shot's never improved. And if it is, he's shown no inclination of ever shooting. And then he doesn't like, you know, his coach says, yeah, Ben Simmons could have played better in this playoff series. And then the other star teammate on his team says, yeah, you know, Ben could have played a little bit better in this series. And so he doesn't like, you know, people, you know, they're being all mean to him. You know, so he just refuses to play. He just says, no, I am not playing. And it's like, this guy gets what he wants too. So you look at this situation and you're like, yeah, you know, I can see how, how a lot of guys would look at the NBA and look at what these two players did and what they ended up receiving. And it's just not really right. You know, it's like this guy got this for acting like this. And this other guy also got this for acting like this. You just act like a baby and you get your way, basically. That kind of stuff doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Okay, so it's just, you can really see, you can really see why a guy wouldn't like the NBA. But then you look at it, you flip the telescope around, you flip the lens, and you just say, okay, well, you know, Ben Simmons, he, he had his mental health issues. He didn't like where he was at. And this trade gives him an opportunity to play elsewhere in a spot that he wants to be. Maybe he can turn around his career a little bit. And then you look at Harden, and he's got the same issue. He doesn't like his teammates. And, uh, you know, they don't get along as well. You know, the reports that he thought Kyrie was an, you know, an alien or something for burning sage in the locker room. And so, he, you know, he's not getting along. And so he gets an opportunity because of this trade to, to leave and go be in a situation that he wants. And it's like you look at it from that angle and you're like, well, I, I don't know. Is this trade a good thing? It certainly benefited these two players, but then you look at it from the other way and it's like these two guys just act like complete babies and they both just get their way on top of making $200 million. You know, so it's easy to see how the league is just not really relatable to a lot of fans, to a lot of people. Because if your average Joe does something like that, they just get fired and they don't get any money. So... You know, it's like you look at the NBA and it's, I don't know. 
I can really see from both angles why people like and don't like what's going on. It's really easy to say. Now, as far as who won the trade, I saw a bunch of different takes. That the Nets won the trade and that, you know, the Sixers won the trade. And guys, I really look at it like this. The Sixers won the trade. And the reason they won the trade is because they got James Harden for, you know, who did they trade? Seth Curry. Technically, they traded Ben Simmons. And they traded somebody else, too. I can't remember. It's kind of another big name, though. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But it's like, you know, you look at that part and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe the Nets won the trade. But I still think the 76ers won the trade because Ben Simmons was refusing to play for them. So what they got was they got James Harden for a player who refused to play for him. It was like a couple of years ago when um, the Bucks traded for Rob Gronkowski. But Gronk was, was retired. So they traded, um, you know, Rob Gronkowski for like a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick or something. And people were blasting the Patriots. You traded Gronk for only a sixth or only a fifth. And it's like he was a retired player. They got a sixth round pick for nothing. A guy who is not going to play for them, they got a six-round pick. That's what happened in this deal with the Sixers and, and the Nets. They received James Harden for for nothing because Ben Simmons was not going to play for them. So yeah, they did receive it. It wasn't nothing. They got they gave him another player along with Seth Curry, who's a really good player. You know, Seth is. So it's it's not nothing, but it's like I still think they won the trade. Um, some people were saying, you know, after the Super Bowl, there was a lot of topic and, and discussion. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Fame quarterback? Because, you know, at this point, he has the ring and he's got a bunch of stats to go with it. And I don't I don't really like this argument for a couple of reasons. Number one is why can't we just wait till a player retires to talk about whether they are worthy of the Hall of Fame? Because Matthew Stafford, realistically, they could go on a run now and he could get a bunch more playoff wins and you know he's going to play for a number of years, 6 7 years still. So could could he potentially win another Super Bowl? Yeah, of course he could. They're going to win more playoff games. He's got the opportunity to win another Super Bowl. I don't know if they will, obviously. But this idea that we just have to discuss it now, I don't know. Like is he a, is he a Hall of Famer now? Probably not. I would say no. But does that mean that he couldn't get there? No, of course not. He's got the best of his career still ahead of him. He's only going to keep improving statistically because he's throwing to Cooper Cup. And, you know, they obviously he has more winning ahead of him than he did in Detroit. So it's like his best is still ahead. Who knows? He Yeah, he could definitely play his way into a Hall of Fame career. Part of why... I would say no at this time, though, if his career did end, is because he was not able to turn around a bad franchise. And I think that if you are a Hall of Fame level quarterback, you should be able to turn around a bad franchise. And I look at a guy like Andrew Luck, and of course, he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. He didn't, he played for like five years or something. But if you look at what he was able to do, he was a Hall of Fame level quarterback. 
what he was able to turn around. The Colts won like two games or something, um, you know, and they turned around and he went to like, you know, two straight AFC title games or something. Maybe not his first year, but he, he made the playoffs a bunch of times with a, a bad roster, with a poorly functioning team. So you look at this guy and you're like, okay, that's a Hall of Fame level quarterback. Something that Andrew Luck was able to do. And then you look at Stafford and it's like, yeah, they're the Lions. Of course they're bad. But it's like he, he never could turn them around. He never had that sort of Andrew Luck moment. Or that, you know, Joe Burrow. He's another guy. We just watched him take the Bengals to a Super Bowl. And now I made the case earlier that they might not be able to get back. But they're certainly going to be a high-functioning team from here on out. You'd think so. And it's like what he was able to do with a terrible organization, what Andrew Luck was able to do with a bad organization that won two games, you know, it's he could never do it in Detroit. And so I think, I think part of being a Hall of Fame-level quarterback is you're able to just, you should just be in the mix every year. Not even to make the playoffs, but to make a run. The playoffs should just be, it should be abnormal for you to not make the playoffs. Okay, Russell Wilson, he's a Hall of Fame level quarterback. And he hasn't made the playoffs twice in, you know, nine years or whatever. It's the rarity that he doesn't make it. For Stafford, though, it was the rarity that he did make it. He made it three times in like 10 years or 11 years or something. So to me, that's, and he never won a game. So I don't know, man. I just think a Hall of Fame level quarterback should be able to make a difference in a bad franchise. Okay, and we saw it with Luck. You know, he's obviously not going to make it. We saw it with Burrow. You know, he's got his whole career ahead of him too. But I would agree that he put together a Hall of Fame level season. So he's got to obviously stack a bunch of those. But it's like, you know, that's what type of level he was at this year. And he made it. Stafford was never at that level in Detroit. Okay, and last thing, I'll just say, I talk about the Lakers probably too much. I'm just fascinated by them. I don't know what they are doing. Just as far as a roster construction goes. So they they won the title in 2020. And I've made this argument before you know, a bunch of people like to say that they caught breaks and that's part of the reason they won it. What I would say is that every team who ever wins a championship catches breaks in order to do it. Okay, so I don't know, you expect them to, who wins a title without catching any breaks? If you just have bad luck the whole time, who wins a title? I don't think anybody does. And then what I would even say on top of that is that the Lakers were unlucky in the bubble because they were missing Avery Bradley. He was their starting point guard and a high-quality defensive player. He would guard the other team's best point guards. And then you look who they had to play. They had to play CJ and Dame. Then they had to play Russ and Harden. And then they had to play, you know, Tyler Hero was shooting the lights out in that tournament. Um, you know, and their guard was, was high-quality too. Kendrick Nunn in that finals. And then... You know, who else was it? They had to play DeJounte Murray, I think. No, not him. The other Murray. Jamal Murray of the Nuggets. And they were missing that guy. And then, you know, you looked at the teams who had success. They were all a bunch of young teams. You know, and I heard this a lot. It was kind of like an AAU tournament. 
that's the kind of vibe, the feel that it had in the bubble. And these old guys, they're missing their family, they're missing their wives and their kids. They didn't play as well. Well, the Lakers were an old team. So they, in my opinion, they caught a number of bad breaks and they still were able to win and overcome all that. Okay, but that's that's beside the point. I kind of went off on a tangent on that one. But it's like, I don't know what they're doing. They took a team that won the championship based on defense, which for the past, I don't know, however long the NBA has been around, 75 years, teams win the championship based on defense. That's NBA basketball in the playoffs. High-quality defensive teams win games. Okay, you look at the Bucks last year. Tremendous defensive team. Uh, you know, who won it the year before that? I don't know. Was it the Lakers? Great defensive team. The year before that, it was Toronto. Great defensive team. Those Warrior teams that we always just think offense, shoot the lights out. That was a great defensive team. And so they, they just get rid of all of their defensive players. So KCP is gone and Caruso was a good defender and he's gone. And, you know, they got Avery Bradley back, but it's like he's probably not the same guy that he was a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, Davis is always hurt and he's their best defensive player. And so it's like, dude, you add all of these things up and they just, they're not a good defensive team anymore. So I don't know why you win based on defense and you got a defensive head coach and that's his specialty. And then you just get rid of all of your best defensive players. I don't understand who thought this was a good idea. Who was like, yeah, let's get rid of all these defensive players and, uh, you know, let's get a bunch of guys who can't really shoot that much. A bunch of slashers. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, so this roster is just, it's kind of a nightmare to watch them play. You know, they're like three or four games under 500. I watch their games quite a bit, and it's bad. Like, I, I got to turn the channel most times. give the off the bench MVP this week to uh, somebody who played in the Super Bowl last week. Okay, guys, and this was one of the best stories I think that came out of the the postseason, maybe just the entire season. Um, and, and this week, I'm giving the award to Eric Weddle. Uh, guys, as you know, you probably know, Weddle was retired for like two years, I think, and he came back and played in the whole entire playoff run, maybe week 18 to, I, I don't think so. I think it was just the playoff run. Uh, didn't play much in the Arizona game um, and then played pretty much the entire Bucks game, uh, the entire Niners game and the whole Super Bowl. I think he led them in tackles. I, I don't want to say throughout the playoffs, but definitely in one of the games, he led the Rams defense in tackles. For the Super Bowl, he wore the green dot, so he called plays. It's just, it's amazing. And, you know, it's weird because he's a player who, he was like a Pro Bowl, all-pro level player at, at one point in his career. But I gotta give him the off the bench because he's straight up off the bench out of retirement. And it wasn't just like, oh, you know, he retired last year. I think he sat out for two years, two whole years, and then... You know, they get some injuries, uh, some cluster injuries at safety, and he just he's just back in the game playing great. That's just crazy. The transition that he was able to make 
from, you know, pickup basketball to playing at a high level in the NFL is just amazing. Okay, so Eric Weddle is the off the bench MVP. Yeah, I don't have much else for it. I went through quite a bit of stuff. I'm happy I had the day off work today. I was able to kind of talk through some of this stuff. I had some of this stuff, especially from the Super Bowl, kind of brewing for around a week now, over a week. So it was good to get it out here. I'm sorry for being a little late on that stuff, but you know, that's how it goes. Guys, I always appreciate like a retweet, you know, likes. Definitely reach out, ask questions. I appreciate all that stuff. Um, but other than that, guys, I think we're all set. So, you know, hope you guys have a good one.